Hey, Dr. Pineset. Uh, my name is Evaristo Urbias. I purchased quite a bit of your courses and love absolutely every second that I've had the time to go through them. I'm 35 years old. I have two kids, a house. I'm almost finished with my associate in nursing and am currently about to enroll for my bachelor's uh, for undergrad for nursing, but I wanted to be strategic with the move and figured out or was just wondering as to what school, what type, either state university, what type of university would make me more competitive for med school. Hey, Varisto, thank you so much for being the first call in to my station. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll get to know each other more uh, through this process, but I appreciate you being in my courses. I'm glad that you're enjoying them. Um, transitioning from nursing with a family, <laughs> it's tough. Um, so it's important you make the right steps. What I would say is, and it's kind of like what I said in my video on YouTube where I talked about um, does school prestige matter, like big school versus small school. And when it comes to someone, if you're an older student, you have a family, you got bills, you have responsibilities, you want to be smart about your schooling. And if you can go to a state school for a heck of a lot cheaper than you can go to a university, then there's no problem going to a state school. But as I always say, you have to ball out. So it's important if you're going to a smaller school that sometimes admissions committees can think, oh, that's a less competitive program. They don't have the same level of competition, the same stiffness of the coursework. It's important that your grades are that much better. So whatever school you go to, keep your grades strong. But particularly if you choose to save a couple bucks and go to a state school because maybe it's closer, maybe it's cheaper, then I definitely highly recommend that you put your best foot forward and you submit an application that's going to stand out from everyone else's. So that would be my advice to you. Coming from a background where you've been in nursing and you're, you're kind of transitioning now into medicine, it's going to be important for you to make sure because you're kind of playing catch up. You were preparing for one career and now you're preparing for another career, but there is some overlap. And so one piece of advice I would give you is that when you come from a nursing background, all that clinical experience that you've done as a nurse and as training to become a nurse, all those hours you put in the hospital, those can count towards your clinical experience for medical school. But it's important that when you express and talk about those clinical experiences, you don't talk from the perspective of a nurse. But you talk about how even though you were in a nursing capacity, you were in proximity to physicians and you learned what it is to be a physician and that's what drew you into medicine. So it's gonna help you explain that transition from nursing into medicine. Additionally, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you have letters of recommendation from physicians. And I see this a lot of times when people are coming from nursing backgrounds then go to apply into medicine is that they use nursing letters of recommendation. And although you may have a couple letters of recommendation from nurses, it's still important to have physician letters of recommendation. So again, Daniel, Evaristo, thank you so much uh, for calling in Evaristo. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad to have you on the station. I'm glad to have you in my courses. And to everybody else, submit your questions and get a quality answer right here. Pinesit, this is Keneva calling in. I have just started a new routine where I get up at four and I do my devotion, exercise, and then study and before class. And I'm realizing that it's a bit challenging to some mornings to just stick with my new routine. But I'm trying to enjoy the, 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 the growing pains and everything. 
but I feel like I there is something missing with me sticking to the routine sometimes. Is there a way to improve making sure that I literally stick to the routine consistently? All right, this is in response to Kaneva's question about how to improve consistency. Um, for you guys, uh, also, because this is new, right? We're trialing this out, and so we want to have some guidelines that are going to help everyone organize and know what's on this station. So when you guys submit questions, please put question in the caption in front of whatever you're saying. So in this case, it would be question, how to improve consistency. That way, people who are scrolling through the station can see where the question is, and then I can put answer and then provide that answer for you. So Kaneva's question is, she started a new morning routine. She's getting up at 4 a.m. She's doing her morning devotion. She's exercising and she's studying and then she's going to class. And she's finding it tough to stick to this new routine and find the consistency. She feels like something's missing. And so the way I would say this is, is first that I'm happy that she has this early wake-up routine. I'm always a person who says early bird gets the worm. And this is something I teach in my five pillars of studying less and getting better grades a great way to improve your studying and improve your overall productivity as a student is to wake up early in the morning. These are the most productive hours of the day because there are no distractions at four in the morning. No one's awake to mess with you. If you don't use these hours from four to eight, they're wasted anyway because all you're going to be doing is sleeping because you stayed up too late the night before. Additionally, when you wake up early and you get work done, it makes every day a productive day because at least some work got done. If something happens, you, your car gets wrecked, whatever happens, whatever gets in your way from getting work done later on in the day, you've already got some work done. So you'll feel better about yourself and about your day. I will say, though, it is very difficult to start out with this 4 a.m. in the morning, especially for some of you guys who are used to sleeping till noon. And so what you have to do is recognize that it takes time. So can you have it early on in this process? The science says it takes about 30 days to adjust to waking up early. I say it takes about six weeks. You guys are young people. You need lots of sleep. And most of you are used to getting up super late. So going from waking up at 11 every day to working up at 4 a.m. is going to take longer. So I always say about six weeks is how long it takes. And during that first six weeks, it is a grind. But you grind it out and you get it done. There are some things you can do to make that transition easier and then also to keep that routine and turn into a habit in the long term. And the first is, is that you need to go to sleep early. This is one thing that students kind of neglect is that they're like, okay, I'm going to go from getting up at 8 a.m. to getting up at 4 a.m. And I used to go to bed at midnight, so now I'm going to go to bed at 1130. And they think that half hour, going to sleep a half hour early is going to make up for having to wake up four hours early. It's not equitable. So you have to make sure that you're going to sleep on time and consistently. The second thing is, is that you then need to make sure that you are waking up consistently early in those early periods. So in the first couple months, there is no sleeping in because we need to set our body and reset our entire internal clock to wake up at the appropriate time at 4 a.m. without fail. So don't cheat yourself. You can't just sleep in. It's going to affect your cycle. All right. And then now when it comes to sticking to a routine and being more consistent and creating consistency, the first thing you need to do is you need to make your morning routine consistent with consistency. I'll repeat that. You have to make your morning routine consistent with consistency. You can't treat it like a cramming session. You can't act like, oh, I'm going to do 
all these exercises. I'm going to do a million push-ups. I'm going to read a thousand pages of my devotion. I'm going to study in all the subjects. Set realistic morning routine goals and therefore you'll have success. In my case, I have a morning routine and part of my morning routine is to get exercise in. My exercise is not strenuous. It's 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups at least. And if I'm feeling really good, I'll try to get 20 in. And that's very simple, but it keeps me consistent every day working towards something. The second thing I'll say is you want to make sure that you are rewarding yourself and you are analyzing how you're getting better. And so I mentioned we're doing bite-sized chunks to improve ourselves. So look at it. So say, what was I doing before this? When I wasn't getting up early, how productive was I? Look at the small gains. Actually, every day now, I'm reading 10 pages. Every day now, I'm feeling a little stronger, a little tighter, all those things. So celebrate your victories and your small gains, and that will help make you more consistent through the process. Thank you so much, Geneva, for submitting your question. As always, guys, submit your question on here and get your answer. And then get over to premedproductivity.com and get a full course so you can get complete answers in everything. Have a great day, guys. Hey, Dr. Pineset. This is Zach C. calling in from Louisiana. I ran into something a few days ago, and I was looking to get your opinion on it. I currently am a graduate student, and I met with one of the chairs of admissions at the medical school I'm at talking to him about my application coming up for the for the June deadline or the June start date and he told me that the school would heavily focus on my graduate school grades rather than my undergraduate grades because when I was an undergraduate I wasn't set on going to medical school and I know you preach a lot that graduate school grades don't matter however he was pretty heavily emphasizing on them I was kind of looking to get your opinion on what he said versus you know what you normally talk about and, you know, see if there were, if he was just blowing smoke or if there was any truth to that. Thank you. All right, Zach, thank you so very much for your question. And Zach's question is simply this. Does your graduate school GPA overcompensate or compensate for your undergraduate GPA? And he heard this recently from an administrator. And what I'll say there, Zach, is this might be a unique situation because schools have their individual policies. So sometimes when I give general advice, it's for the most common case. And in most cases, medical schools do not take your graduate school grades as serious replacements of your undergrad grades because they know that graduate school are inflated. Right? And as you may know, you're in graduate school. It's very hard to fail a graduate school class. And so because of that, there isn't a natural curve of grades. And so they can't weigh them as heavily as undergrad grades. However, if you've really excelled in your graduate program and your undergrad was a, a, a long time ago, perhaps, then that can also be something that factors in. The other thing is if your undergrad GPA overall is low, but you showed a nice uptrend, if you continue that uptrend with graduate school grades, that can show them how serious you are as a student. The other thing is, is when you're at a school for a master's program, they tend to like master's students at their own program. And that weighs in. So if you were talking to an administrator at a school that you're actually attending for your master's, that's also a unique environment because they are tied in oftentimes with master's programs, are familiar with the master's program. So they'll give more of a benefit of the doubt to that. But I would say that your master's grades overall are not going to be as heavily weighted as if you took rigorous undergrad coursework either through a post-bac or through an informal program where you're taking other classes. I think it's great news that your school is saying that they will accept 
those grades and really replace your undergrad GPA. And there may be some nuances in there, and that's awesome. And this is, I think this brings up an important point that even things that are true are not always true, and there always are uh, exceptions and nuances to things. And this is why I always encourage you guys to become your own expert and constantly seek multiple points of feedback. And what I would encourage you to do, Zach, is not only ask that administrator, but then ask other administrators at your current school, and then go ahead and make phone calls to other medical schools to see what they say about your graduate coursework and your unique situation. Because I don't know what the situation is with your undergrad grades and what your timeline is like and how you perform at, your ma at the master's level. So that's what I would say is get multiple opinions and see in what situations this master's degree will help you and what situations it won't help you. Thanks so much for submitting your question. I really appreciate it. The other thing I wanted to say in regards to Zach's question about graduate school grades replacing undergrad grades is that when I say that graduate school grades don't replace undergrad grades, what I'm referring to is people who have low GPAs. If you're a student and your GPA is in the twos or the very low threes, and you're trying to make a decision about how you can improve yourself for medical schools, the optimum way is not to go get a graduate school degree. And that's my point. So if you're thinking, oh, my grades are low in undergrad, let me go get this master's degree, that'll make up for it. In most cases, it will not. The most efficient way to do that is to take more undergrad coursework, either in a formal or an informal post back program. A master's degree goes into something what I call scholarly potential, and it can compensate your overall application to make them overlook your grades, but it doesn't compensate for low GPAs. So it's not a valid strategy for people who have low, low, low GPAs and are thinking they're going to replace that low GPA by taking graduate school classes. When you enter your grades into the AMCAS application, the graduate school grades are actually calculated as a separate GPA from your undergrad grades. And so that's why it doesn't improve and bump your overall GPA. So I want to clarify that point for everyone so that way they're clear on that. If you are a low GPA student and that's going to be something that may keep you out of medical school, going and getting a master's degree is not going to solve that problem. You need to take more coursework that will actually be calculated into the undergrad GPA to boost it. However, if you're a borderline GPA candidate, going and getting a master's degree is similar to going and doing research or going and getting um, published as an author, whatever it might be. It enriches your overall application and might downplay your low GPA so they don't care about it. All right, just to clarify that, guys, <laughs> Dr. Pinesett here. Good morning, Dr. Pinesett. This is uh, Adam from Alberta, Canada, and I was wondering if you'd ever consider coming up to, say, the University of Alberta to do a talk. Hi, Adam. Thanks for your question. That is my birthplace. I am a Canadian. A lot of people don't know this. I was born in Edmonton, Alberta. I would love to come up to Canada and do a talk. Um, I have some great stuff for uh, Canadian students who are both trying to go to American medical schools and also trying to get to Canadian medical schools. So if you'd like to have me up there, please do send me a message, send me an email, contact me on my website, www.preventproductivity.com, and let's start setting something up. I'd love to come to Canada. I love Canada. It's a beautiful place with beautiful people. So definitely contact me and let's set something up. I can return to the motherland of Canada and get back there. <laughs> Thanks for your question. I appreciate it, Adam. Hi, Dr. P. This is Taylor Ronquillo. I'm currently in my last semester of undergrad, but I'm not pre-med, so I planned on getting into a post-bac program 
and working on my master's in public health before I applied to med school. I currently have a 4.0 GPA in undergrad, so my question is, should I just take the prereq courses for med school at a community college while working on my master's and save some money, or do I have a better chance of getting into med school through a post-bac program? Thank you. Hey Taylor, thank you so much for calling in and for your question. Uh, Taylor's question was, she has a great undergraduate GPA, however, she was not pre-med, she is now graduating, and she is wondering if she needs to do a full formal post-bac or if she can go ahead and get her prereqs at a community college. In Taylor's situation, right, so everything is nuanced, but Taylor's situation, she has a 4.0 undergraduate GPA. Your GPA and your MCAT fall into the category of academic aptitude. That's the domain I've given, that uh, I've categorized those as. So from an academic aptitude perspective, if I'm in medical school and I'm assessing you, I feel fairly confident in your ability to perform in the classroom. Now, you still have your prerequisites to complete for completeness sake and for them to be able to compare your grades across to other pre-meds, but in your situation with a 4.0 GPA, with you're about to be graduated, it wouldn't be cost effective for you to go enroll in an entire formal post and pay the tens of thousands of dollars to be perhaps a career changer post to get your prerequisites because you've proven yourself in the classroom. Therefore, I would advise you, and again, I don't know all the particularities of your situation, but given a 4.0 GPA, I would just go and get the prerequisites at a community college. Even better would be if you can stay at your university for a year longer and complete more coursework actually at the university. That way you have continuity with all your classes. But if you can't, because a lot of these schools now will kick you out, <laughs> they want you out the door, then go ahead and go to community college and take your prerequisites. Make sure you get the A's in those prerequisites to keep that GPA up and to show them that it's not just because you weren't taking science classes, but that you can also hang in the science realm. Do that, save the money up, do your master's degree like you were already planning on doing if that's something you're interested in, and then apply to medical school. And from an academic aptitude perspective, you should be in a good place. For you guys who have lower GPAs, and then you're trying to figure out what to do, you really have to weigh it out across how low your GPA is. And I have a great video on my YouTube channel. If you're not following my YouTube channel, it's The Pre-Med Productivity Expert on YouTube, or you can search my name, Dr. Andre Pineset, but I have a great video that goes through the different tiers of GPAs and how that affects your post-undergrad time and what you should do to improve that GPA or to record enhance or to get your prerequisites. So check that out, and thank you so much, Taylor, for submitting your question. I appreciate it. Everyone, submit your questions, and remember, when you submit your questions, Submit the caption in the form of question, like the word question, and then a semicolon, and then enter your question. That way it's neat and organized for everyone to be able to find who's asking a question and where Dr. Pinesat's answer is. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it, and I am beyond excited to be on this platform and able to interact with you guys and answer questions in real time. So thank you very much for submitting your questions. Keep them coming.